Morning, church. I haven't said a word, and already I've done better this service than last, because the first service, I dropped my Bible. Everything goes flying while Jake was praying. So it seemed like a move of the Holy Spirit for a second, but it was just me being really clumsy. Oh, it's a great start. So good morning. Uh, it is a really good morning for me personally. Uh, my wife and I are celebrating our wedding anniversary today. So uh, this is great, yep. <laughs> Clapping for her. Clapping for her. Uh, 23 years today, so it's a long time, but not long enough. Uh, married to the greatest person I know. So I, I know what I just said. I basically said she's better than all of you out there, and I mean that. So she, she really is greater than everyone else in here. But um, love her. She's shaking her head. Anyway. Uh, hey, we're going to be in Jonah. Uh, go figure, there's more to Jonah. So Jonah chapter 3 today. Um, I've really enjoyed the first uh, two ser uh, sermons, the first two chapters. Pastor Sean and Brian have brought. I've, I've loved seeing all of the, the grittiness that's in there, as Sean said. He was not kidding uh, when, when he said, this isn't just a kid's story. And there's, a, there's really a lot in here to grab. So we're going to look at chapter 3 today, but I want to start by posing a question for you to think about. Can you think of any time in Scripture where God did not honor repentance? Can you think of any time where someone wants to turn to God, tur turns their life toward Him, and He says, no, you're too bad, you've done this, you've done that, I'm sorry, but no. Now, definitely there's a time that comes when it's too late. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man is in hell, and he wants some relief, but it, it's too late. But in this life, I can't think of a single instance where God does not honor someone's repentance and allow them to turn. There are so many stories, countless, through history of men and women who were just terrible people, really bad people, uh, evil, who, who turned to God. There's uh, people who lived through organized crime and KKK leaders and murderers, devil worshipers, I mean, you name it. It's a really long list. Uh, I've heard stories that even Michigan and Pittsburgh fans have been saved, have turned their lives around. There was almost a fight in the first service when I said that, I'm going to tell you. And the best part is, I'm not even from Ohio, I don't care about your little squabble, but I just like to you know, toss it and see what you do. So, um, so whichever side you're on on that, the other side is evil. So God even receives them when they turn to him. He, he receives them all. Now this is the story of Nineveh, of Jonah. Nineveh was a very prominent city in the Assyrian Empire. Pastor Sean went over that a couple weeks ago. It was actually the capital city uh, at least once during uh, a few hundred years of, of them being together. And uh, they were brutal. That civilization, as well as many others back then, and some even today, we would call primitive, but they were brutal. They used that brutality and that violence to keep their subjects in check. So, not to be too graphic, but one of the things they were known for is when they would conquer a city, 
they would take the leaders of that city, they would impale them on long spears, they would stick the spears in the ground so that the bodies were suspended in the air. So everyone knew who was in charge. There's writings from some of the emperors of that, um, the Assyrian Empire that talk about skinning their enemies alive and putting the skins in certain places so that people knew there was no question who was in charge. These are the people that God is sending Jonah to. Can we have a little shout out to Jonah for running the other way? I mean, seriously, this is, these are the people. And for, for Jonah, for Israel at that time, being under Assyrian rule, they were the worst of the worst. They were truly the worst of the worst. And yet, as we'll see in our passage from Jonah today, God receives them. He honors their repentance. As, as violent, as awful as they were, he honored their repentance. Brian talked last week about Jonah repenting, and God honored that repentance. So the, the title of the, the message today is God Always Honors Repentance. Now we're going to start with a recap of chapters 1 and 2, and I, I had this idea. It's probably really dumb, but I didn't want to do just a normal recap. I wanted to do it in rhyme. So, I don't know. I, nothing was happening. I just had this idea pop into my head. So I said, all right. So I wrote a little poem to summarize chapters one and two for you. Um, but I need you to keep your expectations at ground level. Okay? Um, it's a little Dr. Susie, So you know what to expect. I don't know why I did this. So I'm just going to confess that right now. But all right. Hope you like it. Actually, I don't care if you don't like it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I think it's fun. So if you don't like fun, that's a you problem, and that is not on me. So here you go. Let's recap chapters one and two. God said, go. Jonah said, no. You know this poem too? I got to watch this one. All right, God said go, Jonah said no. Jonah sails away, God says, oh, so you want to play. The sailors ask, whose fault is it? Jonah says, uh, I did it. The sailors ask, how do we stop this storm? Jonah says, throw me overboard. The fish says, that's what I'm talking about. Jonah gets put into a timeout. Pastor Sean gets that one. Uh, Jonah finally prays, the fish throws up. That's how it ends. That was the only way I knew how to end. I couldn't rhyme. I, I spent minutes on that last part. It felt like minutes. It may have been a full minute, but it was, I couldn't do it. So that's how it ends. So there we go. There we go. Chapters one and two in really bad rhyme form. Nope. 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 Be careful what you wish for. All right, we're going to read chapter 3, and we're going to just read it. I'm not going to rhyme anything here, so we're going to read chapter 3. Uh, we're going to actually going to read into chapter 4, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, Three days' journey in breadth. 
Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, in our theme of overboard in this series from Jonah, there's two prominent examples that we see from this chapter. The first is the people of Nineveh, how they respond to Jonah's message. It's such a short message, and they go way overboard in their response. It's huge. And secondly, when we talk about God honoring repentance, these were the worst of the worst. And yet God still honors their repentance. He held off on the destruction that he had planned. Now today I want to focus our time talking about repentance. And I know Brian talked about this last week, so if you're uncomfortable then, good, you get another one, I guess. But that's what we're going to focus on today. And if we're going to do that, I want to to really make sure we understand the definition. It's a word we use often. Uh, So I want to make sure that we understand. In the Old Testament, when we see uh, repent, it it generally uh, means literally to sigh or to groan, but it means a lament. It's to be sorry for. In the New Testament, where we see it more, it literally means this, to change one's mind. It's a change of mind and purpose as a result of after knowledge. My mind thinks this thing now, but I get some piece of information or there's something that affects me and now my, my thinking gets changed. That's what repentance literally means. It's a change of mind. Oftentimes, we, we wrap it up with everything about we've got to turn from our sin and we've got to walk differently and live differently. Repentance means a change of mind. Just a, a couple of examples to, to show this. In the New Testament, John the Baptist, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, says to the people there, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, did God, did, did Jesus need people to clean themselves up and change their lives before he was coming or before they could come to him. No, we know that's not true. It was about their thinking. Several verses down in Matthew 3, 8, and 9, John the Baptist, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he calls them a name like he liked to do once in a while to rile them up, and then he says this. He says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. They weren't thinking accurately. 
their reliance was on their Jewish heritage, on Abraham as their father, on keeping the law, on being a good person. And John is saying, no, your thinking is wrong. And if your thinking stays that way, you're going to miss it. When the kingdom of God comes, you're going to miss it. So true and full repentance starts with changing one's mind, which results in a change of life. Now, I want to show you how this works out from Jonah chapter 3, what we just read. Jonah 3, I think, shows a pattern of true repentance. When we look at what the people of Nineveh did, how they responded, we can see a pattern of true repentance. So in verse 5, it says the very first thing, and the people of Nineveh believed God. It started, it doesn't start with an outward change. It starts with an inward alignment of the mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The second thing we see them do, it says they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. It moves from belief to sorrow and surrender. Something has to change inside. And I love this verse uh, from 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. It says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, or a full repentance. But there's a piece of our lives of, of repenting where there's a godly grief that can grip our spirits. And the third step is humility. Verse 6 says, The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne he removed his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So true repentance requires us not to just believe, not to just feel bad or want to surrender, but we've got to be humble enough to acknowledge that we were wrong, that, that something has to shift, that our thinking has to change, and even if it's very difficult. Now, I like this part, because this is how you know that the people of Nineveh were really serious. And it's because they made all their animals repent, too. Did you see that in there? I find this hilarious. You are not laughing at all, but I find this hilarious. I'm guessing the, these were really violent cows. That's all I can come up with. And they needed to change their ways, too. But it's so funny the, the extent that they go. That I've only seen cows eat. Every time I've seen a cow, they only eat. So I don't know how they were going to stop from eating and drinking. But that just shows you how big... They went on this. They, the king really cared about his animals. Anyway, the fourth step of true repentance, what we see next is this. He says this, call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. The outward alignment with the inward change, that's the proof. So we see belief. We see sorrow and surrender. We see a humble spirit and then the outward change that aligns with the inward. So that's repentance. I, I want to apply this understanding of repentance and what we see in Jonah in two different ways. So the first is how we see this in relation to other people. How, how did God see Nineveh and how did Jonah see Nineveh? Obviously, there was a huge difference in how they viewed these people. Now, I know we're not into chapter 4 
far yet, but the very last verse of chapter 4, the last verse of that book, God tells us how he sees them. He describes them as not knowing their right hand from their left. They're ignorant. Their thinking is broken. They are lacking something. That's how he views the people of Nineveh. Jonah sees the worst of the worst. That's all he can see. Jonah was angry. He was exceedingly displeased that these, the worst of the worst, could repent, and God would honor that? God still had pity on them. He, he relented of the disaster, it says, that he would do to them. All Jonah wanted was the disaster. He wanted them to pay for what they had done. After all, the message that God gave him God gave him the message to say was not one of repentance necessarily. It wasn't, you're on the wrong track. Got to turn back. Hey, that rhymes. I might, have to, I might have to add that later. That wasn't his message. It was 40 days and you're done. And then Jonah sees this. Jonah sees this shift in God. So I want to challenge us to consider, really consider, who we resemble more, God or Jonah, when it comes to this. When we look at the worst of the worst, who is the worst of the worst to you? That's a really interesting question. Who really gets your blood boiling? Who really gets you angry? Think of the Nazis their torture and execution of millions of Jews, the thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people, even religious people that did nothing when that was going on. Nothing. How about all the terrorists out there around the world? We've had terror attacks on our country. ISIS was doing horrible things and posting it online a number of years ago. Who is the worst of the worst? Let's bring it a little closer to home. How about abortion doctors? Are they the worst of the worst? How about cop killers or school shooters? Human traffickers? What is our thinking toward them? Who do we resemble more truly inside? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't fight for life at every turn, we should not fully oppose all that evil. God was fully opposed to all that evil and violence in Nineveh, so we can be too. But is the pity, is the compassion of God that he had at the same time, is that also in us? When we just talk about these things, we, we discuss these, these people or this evil in our homes, with our friends, with our children, do we also talk about how the only fix is Jesus? How there's really one answer to this. Do we talk about how sorry we feel for these people? They don't know the all-consuming love of a Savior. He gave up everything to make a way for us, for them, to come to him. Do we pray for them? 
how do we really see them? Do we only see that payment is needed? Or is there some compassion and pity like God had? It is the only lasting answer for this broken world. We need to agree with God that every person, no matter how evil, should repent and that they are worth saving. And if they are not saved, they're condemned. We know that. Uh, Psalm 7, verse 2 says, If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. Jesus is quoted in Matthew 12 and Luke 11, identical verses, but he said, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Every single person is worth Jesus' shed blood. They're worth having a place in eternity right next to us at the dinner table of heaven. That's a different view. That's a tough view, but that's God's view. The Assyrian Empire, they, they were ruthless, but God still had pity on them. And he still honored their repentance, even though they were the worst of the worst. Now, the second application is how we view repentance in our own lives. Repentance isn't one and done. It's not just something that we, we do or experienced when we first realized that we were sinners in need of a Savior, and we turn back to God, and then we never do it again. If repentance is changing our thinking, then we need to do it regularly. It ought to be a practice that we have, something that we don't run away from, but rather run to. So every time we find ourselves at odds with God's character or his will or his word or something that we know to be right, we actually need to go through repentance and realign our thinking. It could be about sin or maybe not. Uh, maybe there's big sin, maybe little sin. All of that sin comes under this realm of we needing to repent and realign our thinking. And I really feel somebody here needs to hear this today. If you have sinned so big and it has kept you from God, you feel like there is a gulf between you and your Lord and you just, you come to him in shame. So you, you don't come at all most of the time. It's time to change your thinking. It's time to see God the way he really should be seen. He honors repentance. It doesn't just have to be about sin. Sometimes it could be uh, something else. I appreciated so much what Pastor Jake said just a little bit ago about sometimes we, we come in and we're just off. Maybe our walk is just a little off. It's, it's not what it was. Or uh, I'm just I'm so focused on this one thing. And, and those are those gentle nudges where the Spirit will get a hold of us. And it's just a, it's a small course correction, but it's a course correction. Changing our mind to see things and realign ourselves the way God has them to be. So we're clearly taught in Scripture to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, to make disciples. To be a disciple means to be a student. And it's the student's job to listen, to uh, understand, accept 
and practice the views of the teacher. That's really what this is. It's a form of, of discipling. When we repent, we change our mind from one way we're looking to the way that God would have us look. So maybe there's areas that you're struggling. Maybe there's questions you have. Maybe you're struggling to believe God, to know that he's actually there, to, to trust that he really is good. Maybe you feel like there is nothing good in your life right now. Those are big questions. Maybe, you know, there, there's a lot of controversial views out there in culture. Maybe you really have this struggle of, I hear what Scripture says, but I'm really struggling with what I see and feel, and, and how do I recognize that, or reconcile that, sorry? How do I reconcile those things? That's a major struggle. Or maybe life is just difficult, and, and you're asking God, would you change my circumstances? Would you change something? Would you intervene? Because it's just so difficult. It could be any number of things that, that our mind is, our thinking is one direction, and there's got to be a shift. So let me encourage you today to ask God to change your thinking and to see things in a different way, in his way. Would you be willing to do that? Maybe instead of changing your circumstances, he wants to change you through those circumstances. And until we see that, we actually fight against it. Maybe he wants you to, to be able to take a step of faith in a viewpoint that is just difficult to grasp and trust him with it. And maybe he's just waiting for you to ask all your questions and question his goodness and question his character and question his presence in your life. And at the end, still show up, still show you that he's there, show you something you've never seen before. Like in the book of Job, everything is taken away from this man, Job. Everything. And he asks why, and he rants against God, and God is totally silent. He's totally silent for no reason, for no apparent reason. And then God finally speaks. And God speaks for a while. And then Job says this in, verse, in chapter 42. He said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself, meaning I, I place myself as nothing, and I repent in dust and ashes. It totally changed Job's view. Totally. God is not intimidated or turned off by us when we question him. He is right there. He's waiting for us to believe, to humble ourselves, to cry out to him, to turn back to him, and he will give us everything we need. We need to allow the Holy Spirit enough authority and ourselves enough grace to keep changing our thinking in order to conform more to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please give the Holy Spirit enough authority and yourself enough grace to change. I'm, I'm getting older. I've been following God for a long time.
but I still need those course corrections. I still have to be reminded that I live in his world, not mine. And I need to, to adjust whenever he tells me I need to adjust. If we do that, if that's something we run toward instead of run from, he will honor that repentance. I can guarantee you. He will honor it. He will give you exactly what you need to be conformed to him. Friends, this is really good news. This is the grit of Jonah, but this is really good. We can see Nineveh as the worst of the worst, as not deserving anything, and it's true, but neither do we. There's nothing in us that deserves anything from God. Anytime he corrects us, we get course correction in our mind. We enjoy his, uh, his words into our lives that even may have to change something. That's his mercy and grace. That is something we should seek out and enjoy those encounters with him. And I pray too for you that you would see others so differently. This is good news to them as well. Outside of these four walls, we have to know how God sees the worst of the worst and everybody in between. He wants them to change. He wants them to get this good message. And we have to be willing to share that. So I want to conclude in just two simple ways. We're just going to have some time of quiet where we listen to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask him two questions. Is there something in me that needs to change in how I view other people? And then we're going to ask him, is there something in me that needs to change? Is there something that I've been fighting you on? Is there something that I've been going one direction and it's just not quite the right direction? And surrender that to him. So would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Oh God, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to your children right now? Would you show us where we need realignment in our thinking? Who are the worst of the worst to you? Ask the Holy Spirit that question. Jesus says to love your enemies and to pray for them. So I'd encourage you, as you think of who the worst of the worst are, I would encourage you to pray for them right now. Now ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my thinking that needs to change? What do I need to repent of? And then surrender that to him.
God, I thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your, your interaction with your people here today. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters with a word from you. I pray, Lord, that you would change our thinking to see your correction, your word as something good to be attained, something good to be had, that we would not run from your gentle nudges, We would not run from the, the loud screams that we get from you sometimes. But God, that we would receive it all. We would believe you. And we would humbly receive it. Lord, I pray that we would view those outside of here differently. We would view them with compassion. And view them as in need of a Savior. And not the worst of the worst. Lord, would your kingdom expand through us and in us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.